you know, when I think about the space in general, right, I have like very deep conviction in punks and NFTs, you know, with all the stuff we're doing in Manifold. And I think that value is going to be, you know, come back tenfold, you know, in the future, right? And so like, you know, for right now, I just don't want to be distracted about, you know, the money part of things. I want to just focus on like building, right? Building myself, building my brand. And so, yeah, and then I, you know, I tweeted, yeah, diamond hands. You know, I see what diamond hands look like. On the internet, look crazy. <laughs> this is what diamond hands. Yeah, are. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia, and I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Matt, happy NFT NYC, man. How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling fresh. I can do it a whole nother week. Yeah, I, I, Matt is the human energizer bunny. It's uh, <laughs> it's iconic. As you can tell, his, his voice has uh, been talking a lot, running around DJing a lot, but it's been a fun week, man. Who we got lined up right now? I'm really excited. We have Richard Chan, uh, the founder of Manifold XYZ, leading uh, studio for creating blockchain products and custom smart contracts for artists. Also made headlines recently when he uh, exhibited his diamond hands in turning down a nearly $10 million offer for his signature CryptoPunk. Really excited to hear what he has to say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think um, really enjoyed hearing Richard talk about the innovation and utility that custom smart contracts can provide. And also even speaking a bit to Manifold Creator, which is a kind of no-code solution just to give more access to this at scale to different creators that want to leverage the power of uh, unique smart contracts. So I think um, really enjoyed this episode. I think Richard's doing a fantastic job laying a lot of the, the kind of technological foundations and, and groundwork and pipes um, to really push this whole industry forward. So I think uh, really enjoyed this conversation, cover a lot of grounds and uh, more important, I also really love all of you for tuning in and, and supporting the podcast. So it's been a fu uh, fun week here at NFT NYC and uh, excited to dive into this episode with Richard. So without any further there ado, Richard. Richard, so glad to have you on the NFT Now podcast. Good to be here. So why don't we start with the basics uh, for our listeners who are maybe new to the space and all that. What exactly is a smart contract? You know, more generally, a smart contract is a piece of code that's executed, you know, on the Ethereum blockchain, right? And like the big innovation is that, you know, you can think of the, the Ethereum blockchain as this big world supercomputer, Right. And why that's important is because it's distributed, right? And because it's distributed, it's verifiable by every single person uh, in the world, right? So, you know, why is that critical? Because, you know, when something happens on the blockchain, you can, you can be guaranteed that that result on the blockchain, the, the output of that, that code is, you know, the truth, right? You can think of it compared to like a, a centralized system, whereas, you know, in a centralized system, there's a server somebody somewhere, right? And somebody could go into the code and like change something without anybody knowing, right? And so, you know, that's the big difference between you know, a centralized service and decentralized service, right? And the thing is, nobody owns the Ethereum blockchain, right? And, you know, every, you know, so that means that everybody owns it in that sense, right? And so, you know, you can be, you can be verified, you can be certain that things that happen on the blockchain are, you know, permanent and forever. Yeah, no, love that. So when it comes to the, the world of NFTs, because obviously smart contracts have tons of different applications, um, what excites you and what, why is it so important in the world of NFTs? Yeah, so, you know, I think the big, the big innovation with the, uh, you know, the ERC-721, which is the, you know, ER, the, the base technology protocol for NFTs, is that it's the first time we've been able to, you know, assign ownership to digital assets, right? Before that, you know, everyone, you know, the whole thing was like, you know, as digital artists, 
you create your work, put it out online, right? Then everyone just like, you know, right click, save, copy it, right? And there wasn't a way to prove ownership or monetize it properly, right? Uh, you know, with the, with NFTs, you know, creators can do that, right? You can say that I am the cre- original creator of this, you know, artwork and sell it, right? For monetary, a monetary value, right? And as a collector, you can say, I am the original owner of this, right? And I am the owner, right? Which is a very unique concept for like digital goods. It's been really cool to see how Manifold.xyz has sort of emerged as the leader in the industry when it comes to smart con- custom smart contracts, working on so many innovative uh, projects that are really kind of pushing the tech forward. Um, tell us a little bit about the origin story of, of Manifold and uh, what your mission is. So, you know, me, me and my co-founder, we, we originally came to this space as collectors, right? And so I remember the very first day, my co-founder sent me an NFT, right? And I was just like, what is this, right? He bought a JPEG and it was like, I think like 800 bucks. And I was like, he spent 800 bucks on a JPEG, right? It just like, did, didn't make any sense to me, right? So then, you know, a week later, he, he's like, he sent me another one. And this one was like $1,000. It was a Slime Sunday piece, right? And I was like, okay, the art's cool, right? But I'm like, I still, it still didn't click, right? And then, you know, he was, he was like convinced that this would be my thing. And so a week later, he's like, hey, I need your help to buy one of these things. So I'm like, okay, sure, right? So we, he told me the instructions, go into the gateway. He's like, click the button at 4 p.m., right? I'm like, click the button at 4 p.m.? I'm like, like what is this? Right? And I, I was like, how much is it? He's like, four grand. I'm like, four grand? Like, what? So anyways, you know, I, I, I humored him. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do this because, you know, he's, he's a really smart guy. You know, I trust him. And so, yeah, we go into the gateway and I'm like looking at this site and then I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And, you know, there, there were 16 one-on-one slime sending pieces being dropped, right? And so you had to click the button at 4 p.m. for any one of them, right? So I'm like looking at this thing and then, you know, being a programmer, I'm like looking at the page, right? I'm like, oh, you can just like programmatically click the button, right? So I enabled the button, clicked it and brought me to the next page, right? They did it again, right? And it sent the, the web request to the server. And I was like, oh, you can just like, to put this like the the call into a loop and just like call it like repeatedly so you don't have to actually click the button right so that so i did that and then 4 p.m comes and then i'm watching all these like terminal windows on my computer and they're all like sold out sold out sold out right like instantly i was like whoa what just happened right and then after that i was like yo we didn't get one but then you know well, five minutes later i get an email saying yo you bought one for like for four thousand dollars right i was like Oh, cool. We got one, right? So then I asked my co-founder, like, well, what do you do with this thing? And he's like, well, you have three options. You can sell it, you can hold it, or you can like give it to somebody. And he's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, let's try selling it because that's the most interesting thing, right? And I was like, what do you want to sell it for? He's like, let's put, I think it was like $14,969, right? And I was like, in my head, I was like, who's going to buy it for that? That's like ridiculous, right? Anyways, and he's, so anyways, I put this is it for sale. Uh, we caught up because we haven't like talked for like months because of COVID. And then less than 10 minutes after the call ended, I got an email saying it sold. Right. And at that point, I was like, you know, I, you know, the general reaction is like, you should be happy, right? You know, you just made $11,000 and like for like 20 minutes worth of work. Right. But I wasn't happy. I was just like, my first reaction was like, one, sad because, you know, I didn't have that thing anymore. The thing I didn't have an hour ago. Right. It was just a piece of artwork. Right. And two, was that it sold so fast, I felt like I underpriced it, right? So because I had such a very deep emotional reaction to this experience, I was like, there's something crazy here that's going on that I had just had to like understand more of, right? So from then, I just started diving into the space. I started building tools for myself as a collector, right? To like analyze the market, figure out more about, you know, how big is the market and so on, right? And, you know, just started collecting more and more and more and more things, right? 
uh, one of the piece, one of the one of the works that we collected was the Mad Dog Jones piece, right? And that led us to being, you know, in contact with Mad Dog. And you know, one of the first conversations we had, you know, he was very thankful that we were collectors, right? But then we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you know that you know the blockchain is like really cool and you can do all this cool like artwork within it with you know with NFTs, right? And he was just like, what? You can do that? And it's just, so he's like, tell me more, right? And so we started collaborating. Right. And so we taught him a, like this, like the concept of a, a burn mechanic, right? Where you can actually burn an NFT, which is like sending it to the dead address so that no one can access it anymore. So then, you know, we helped him design uh, his crash and burn drop on Nifty Gateway. So I took all the data I had, right? Designed an economy, you know, like everyone thinks it was just like this really simple project, but we actually like looked at every single collector, whether they were a buyer, seller, holder, or like a flipper, right? And designed it so that we would create maximum price pressure upwards, right? on his existing pieces that he wanted to like burn to redeem for. And yeah, so we did that, you know, the price that we, there was 50, there was a hundred thoughts and ideas of, you know, his NFTs from his Genesis drop. And they were a thousand dollars before the burn mechanic, right? And by the end of it, they went to $150,000, which was like crazy for like, you know, being in the course of a week. And from there, right? So this is how we got started Manifold. So after that, we're talking to, now, dog afterwards, and we're like, let's create the most awesome NFT ever, right? And like, just like, just this insane NFT that's like, you know, a smart contract, and you know, artwork, right? And we, we collaborated on the the replicator, right? And the magic is replicator. It's a piece of art that is like linked directly to the smart contract, right? So the smart contract kind of runs the artwork itself, and it, the artwork responds to the smart contract, right? And it's this innovative piece because you know, most people were just tokenizing artwork, like taking you know, images in the video. And just turning into NFTs and selling those. But in this case here, the smart contract actually like really, really matters to the art piece itself. And you know, we 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 sold it. Uh, we we sold it on Phillips for four point two million dollars. And it was at that point we realized that you know a lot of artists in the space don't under, actually understand technology, right? It was almost like you actually need a techno a programmer to actually you know develop new innovative you know ideas for artwork, right? And to me, NFTs are a new medium, right? And you know that combined art and technology. And so we realized that there was a big gap there for, you know, technology, right? And we came up with the idea of, you know, how do we kind of templatize smart contracts and make them extensible so that artists can do way more and be more expressive and actually use the medium of NFTs to the full potential. And yeah, from there, we created the Manifold Creator Contract, right? Which is kind of our like Genesis product. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride from there, you know? So we had the product and we also do a bunch of collaborations with other artists, right? And that's to kind of like prove out the technology and show what's actually possible. So that's the Genesis story of Manifold and how I got started in NFTs. No, that's, that's absolutely amazing and a, a fun journey. And you now it's still just getting started. So in that vein too, I mean, kind of why do artists and projects need custom smart contracts? What are some of the like the, the innovation and utility that you think custom smart contracts can provide? Because I know obviously there's a lot of ways where you can just easily mint across other platforms, but there's also just a lot of white space opportunity to break trail and do new things with custom smart contracts. So what stands out to you? Yeah. So if you think about like a standard smart contract, right, it's just really just tokenized, creating a token, right? And you're attaching some sort of media to that token, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the, the bare minimum smart contract, right? The thing is, you can actually attach a lot of like data and interaction into the smart contract itself. Like, for example, like you know, if I create an NFT, I could have another NFT in that exact same collection react to that you know other NFTs in the system, right? So, for example, like you know, if there's say you know a hundred people who collect an NFT, it's one version. But let's say you know two hundred people collected the NFT, right? It could change that. It could actually change the image of the NFT itself, right? So you can create communities around NFT. You can create logic and you know inter interactions and mechanics, right? 
I think that's a big thing that people always think about too, is like, you know, what is the mechanics of the NFT, which is kind of like utility, right? Um, you can just do a lot of things. You know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, data written to the blockchain, right? And you're just trying to make the artwork or the tokens like interact with the data, right? And you can't do that with a bit, with a, this is a very standard making contract, right? But if you do more custom work and actually do like, you know, advanced, uh, I would say programming of a smart contract, you can do a lot of really cool things. You know, I think we're just exploring, we're just like starting to explore like, you know, what, what smart contracts can do. Because there's so much more they can do, just, you know, just beyond NFTs, right? Uh, I think of them as like Lego blocks, right? So, you know, if you have, you know, an open smart contract that, you know, has a spec and everything that other sort of like other smart contracts can interact with those smart contracts and create really, really interesting like mechanics around it too. You know, like I, uh, one example is like Fractional just started fractionalizing ERC-721s to 1155s, which is really cool, right? Because you know what that what that allows now is that you can create like you kind of Uniswap and market maker mechanics on top of the 1155s, right? And so you can think about well, you know the art industry and economies, right? And, you know Uniswap's a big success. You can now start pl- applying some of those mechanics right directly to NFTs itself, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm sure that you know as you've kind of blazed this trail yeah. and established Manifold as a leader in the space, um, you have I'm sure so many projects and artists trying to come you know coming to you all the yeah. time. Um, how do you decide which artists to partner with, which projects to partner with? Because I'm sure that um, uh, demand probably outstrips the uh, your bandwidth and supply, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, there, there, I see it as there's kind of three tiers of artists that we kind of work with, right? So one, you have, you know, the, the superstars, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we really like working with the superstars because they, they get it already, right? And for them, right, it's always about how do you push boundaries, right? How do you just like, you know, come up with a new crazy concept and just push it forward, right? And, you know, every artist is just always wanting to do new things and break new ground, right? And so in those cases, it's more about, you know, what is this artist trying to do and how does it kind of move the NFT space forward from, you know, an inspirational point of view or a conceptual point of view, right? And top that too, from a technology point of view, right? Because we always use these projects to build back into Manifold for, you know, there are tools and data, right? So that we can offer more products to like, you know, other creators, right? So that's one tier. The second tier are kind of like the, I guess like the middle tier artists who are just, you know, they have a bit of a, a name themselves, right? And they're trying to like, you know, just mint stuff, right? And so we, we, we like working with those artists because that represents kind of like the 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 general use case for like NFTs right now, right? And, you know, for those artists, we work directly with them, like, you know, getting on onto, the, uh, onto our contracts and just kind of like create like scalable mechanics, right? So that they can like, you know, drop a collection and reuse that. Right? And that's part of the, the vision for a manifold creator, right? It's a, a no-code solution where you can come in there, you know, go and, you know, accomplish what you want to do and then get it out there for distribution, right? And then I guess on the other side, you know, we work, we do work with a few smaller artists, right? And just helping them to, like, understand the space because, you know, from my point of view, you know, you have to help everyone, right? Because, you know, the, the, the top artists right now, they were one small artist too, right? And, you know, we're trying to understand what all the problems of the space are so we can come up with, like, solutions for that. Right. And so, you know, I've talked to a few artists that have, you know, never minted before and I help them like, you know, mint, set up a smart contract, mint and educate them just so I understand, you know, what are, what are their pain points, right? And how we as an ecosystem can, you know, create better tooling and education to like move them up the ladder. Right. I think that's a really important thing. So, you know, my, at the end of the day, our goal is that every single person, every single creator 
should be able to have their own smart contract if they choose to. In that vein, too, I know you've referenced a handful of projects, Mad Dog Jones, a little bit of the origin story. Um, what are some of the other favorite projects that you've worked on to date or even some stuff that you're excited about that's in the works? Mad Dog's like, you know, will always be my first love because it was like our first major project, right? It's funny because like nobody knew me before that, but Austin Mad Dog came out with the thing and that's just, it was a big thing. So that was really <laughs> cool. And then, yeah, so we got Mad Dog. I really like collaborating with uh, Fuck Under Fred. You know, he's, just, like, he's just fun, right? For, for him, it's always just like, how do we just do something ridiculous, right? Which is always, always fun, right? He's just, he's just willing to try stuff that's like really cool, right? And I guess like Pac, right? So Pac is one of our other big collaborators. And if you could dive a little deeper too, and kind of like with Fuck Render or with Pac, like what are some of the things that you did specifically with their smart contract? Yeah, well, okay. So with uh, Fuck Render, we did his uh, Fuck Crystals. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the big thing with that is you could take some of your nifty gateway, nifty gateway NFTs, right? And you could like burn them to get fuck crystals, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of we combined two kind of mechanics here, right? One of them was it's was taking existing NFTs and burning them, right, to get new NFTs, right? And we also did a collection drop, right? And you know, the the cool thing is is that for that, it, he was trying to reward holders, right? While well, reducing supply to increase the economy and you know, increase the value of his older works, right? And so it was just really fun to be able to like experiment those sort of mechanics, right? And actually like have it go like live, right? And that was really cool because it sold that, you know, there was like a pre-sale, or, you know, a whitelist pre-sale. It wasn't really whitelist. It was like a burn, a burn pre-sale, right? And that lasted for like, I think an hour, right? Then after that, the actual like public sale and the public sale sold in like two blocks or something like that. So it was like, it was really cool to watch all that and like, you know, how everything came together for that. With PAC, it's just like, yeah, we just, he just has all these crazy ideas and we just like listen to him and we're like, whoa. And it's always a collaboration, right? So it's really cool to just like talk and actually see what they're doing, you know. And, you know, when we work on these kind of like more high profile projects, it's not like, you know, the artist telling us what they want. It's us actually putting like uh, contributing to the ideas from a technology point of view of like what's possible from a design point of view. Because I can tell you every single idea that comes to us is just not, you know, when it first comes to us, it's just an idea, right? It's hard to actually like create something that actually like makes sense from the long run. And then, yeah, you know, um, another artist I really like working with is uh, Alpha Centauri Kid. Yeah, so it's actually funny because we bought we bought one of his pieces. Uh, you know, it's just because he featured my punk on it. And then all of a sudden, he started to, like, blowing up, right? And yeah. then for him, it's really funny because he's, he, he just, he's, he's crazy, right? He's just like, I'm going to do this, right? And then, like, a day later, he's like, it's done, right? I'm like, and they're like, what do you want to do with the art, right? And he's like, I wanted to go do these crazy things with it, right? And just fun, it's just fun collaborating with these people. You know, one of the most, you know, kind of notable recent uh, releases for you has been the open source um, royalty registry. Yeah. Uh, and I know, you know, it has a number of different facets to it. Um you know, kind of creating, like helping sort of like the appropriate on-chain royalty configuration work with, with smart contracts across different platforms. And then also, um, b- enabling, uh, enabling, uh, users to potentially add, uh, smart contract functionality where there wasn't before. I'd love if you could take us through that project and how you feel it could help solve the issue of cross-platform, uh, secondary sales royalties. Yeah. So, you know, like working with all these artists, right. And, we, royalties is like a huge deal for the NFT space, right? Because it's the first time that, you know, you can actually verify that when something gets sold that, you know, you can get a, you can get royalties paid back to the original creators, right? And that kind of sustains their career, right? And so, you know, when you think about royalties, I think a lot of people don't really understand what royalties are because, you know, a lot of the misconception is that, oh, you can just like force people to pay royalties in this smart contract, right? You know, which you can't do, right? You can put information into the smart contract, right? That says, you know, here's my desires, but at the end of the day, it's up to the, the, the selling marketplace to respect that those desires, right? 
And so, you know, the big, the big player was OpenSea, right? So OpenSea is kind of like the, the de facto secondary market, the largest secondary market in the place, right? And their royalty system was, you know, just didn't work for how creators wanted the royalty, royalties to be paid out, right? So the way it works is that you can have a collection, but you can only have one payload address, right? And that applies to the entire collection itself, right? And so if you think about uh, royalties from a point of view, if you have a collaboration, right, what artists were doing at the time were little, they would set an address, right? And then royalties would accrue to that address. And some de- some later date, they would take the address and be like, okay, there's this amount of money in here. I got to split it between, you know, different parties are, are entitled to royalties, you know? And so we've been working with, you know, we work very closely with all the marketplaces because, you know, we're, we we help mint artists mint, right? But royalties were always like a big pain point for pretty much everyone in everyone in the ecosystem, right? Even open to you, right? Um, and so, yeah, and on top of that too, is that there's um, there's a whole bunch of different specs out there right now. So you have the variable spec, you have like AP, AIP, I think 2981. Um, you have the custom implications, implementations like OpenSea, right? So OpenSea's royalties are just completely off-chain. It's on their own system. And one of the big problems is that as a programmer, right, it's really hard to figure out what royalties are because you have to like, you know, go through and be like, okay, what... What spec is this one using? You know, is it compliant? Is and you know, does it have the right information, right? And so, to me, the royalty like registry was just a necessary infrastructure component, right? That was necessary, right? So, what you can do is, you know, what it does is that it reads every single smart contract, or you know, if you could put an address in there, it will read the smart contract and check if it does follow one of those royalty specs, and if so, it creates a standard interface for for you know anyone to read it. Whereas before, you know, all the interfaces were different. Right? So as a programmer, you had to be like, right, you had to like check which one it was, right? Uh, and on top of that too, there's a lot of smart contracts out there like that existed that previously didn't have any royalty information associated with it, right? And so by having kind of like a centralized smart contract registry protocol, right, you can go in there and be like, here's my, you know, NFT and tell me what the royalties are, right? And it's just like one common interface, right? It's really simple to use. Yeah, so you know, we started talking to like all the marketplaces about it, right? And, you know, we're not the only ones that have this problem. They all have this problem, right? right. And it's a big decision, right? You know, you know, when you talk to like different, you know, like even Nifty, they're like, we chose this spec, right? When you talk to like Rarible, Rarible has their own spec, right? And they're all trying to be compliant, right? They're all trying to move really, really fast, right? And so it's, you just have to choose one, right? But choosing one has big implications, right? So, you know, what we're saying with the royalty spec is that you don't, doesn't care which, we don't care which one you choose. If you implement one, you'll be compliant with this, with, you know, this one common interface that's just kind of like, multiplexes all the information and gives you like a standard way to read it. So as a programmer now, you just don't have to care about which implementation. You just have to read the royalty registry contract to figure out what you know the information you need, which is a huge step forward for, you know, just like NFTs in general. And I think the biggest, I think the biggest like achievement of this is that we actually got every one of the marketplaces to hop on board and be like, yeah, this is like, you know, this is good for the industry. This is good for the, you know, good for the space. And going forward, they have, they've all committed to, you know, supporting this. That's huge, man. And I'm super excited because I know there's just generally speaking, there's so much uh, utility and innovation to be had by NFTs. And I think a lot of us that spend a lot of time thinking about it, see the the implications it will have. But a lot of the technology itself is still so nascent that a lot of the actual utility is yet to truly be unlocked at scale. So in that vein, too, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, what are other areas of opportunity to 
streamline kind of onboarding and make this easier. You even mentioned kind of um, Manifold Creator and how you want to have a no-code solution for different creators to release their stuff. I, I know there's a lot of like friction right now, both for artists, for collectors, that unless they're, they really have a, a somewhat kind of deep mid-tier understanding of how to buy and sell and collect NFTs, it can be a little bit uh, intimidating. So I'm curious from your perspective, like where are there other opportunities to kind of streamline, remove friction to help onboard the mainstream market into NFTs? Yeah, so you know, I think I think when you think about NFTs, NFTs are kind of like a higher level concept, right? Mm -hmm. Like the 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 more fundamental concepts are more like crypto. How do you like interact with crypto? How do you use a wallet? Security, security is a big one, right? I think that you know a lot of people come into this space and they're like, oh, I'm just going to use MetaMask and onboard with that. But we all know that MetaMask isn't you know the most secure you know hardware or secure wallet solution, right? And so, you know, it's, it's, really, it's actually really hard to onboard into crypto in general, right? Most people are looking for like a centralized service such as like Coinbase or Coinbase Wallet. But, you know, if you actually want to do it right, you have to be self-sovereign in that case, right? And so I think a lot of education and tooling just has to be done at the lower levels of, you know, how do I, how do I even get started with crypto? How do I get my first crypto? How do I interact with the blockchain? And I think that the tooling right now is very, very in the early days, right? The, you know, like I think everyone uses MetaMask, right? And it's kind of crazy that MetaMask is like the de facto for everything, right? You know, whenever MetaMask has an issue, right, some of the hardware wallets or just like in general, right, the whole entire like, you know, crypto space is like, hey, what happened, right? And so, you know, I think there's opportunities there around education, um, tooling, wallet solutions, uh, even identity. Like, you know, what does it mean to have your identity as a wallet, right? You know, I think that going forward, we're just going to see more and more innovation around that, right? Like, for example, I, th I think all identities should actually be contracts, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if I think about my wallet, my my key, right? Where you assign, you know, my, my address is my identity. I've worked with a whole bunch of, like, people and individuals and corporations before. And, you know, if I lose my privacy, I lose my key phrase, right? There is no, like, recovery for that, right? You know, but, you know, if you think about, you know, the ideal kind of identity solution going forward, it's that, you know, every single person will have their own contract that represents their identity. And you can have multiple people access that contract or have multiple keys for that. That way, if you're in a situation where you need to, like, either transition the identity in the case of a corporation or, you know, personally to just transition your identity and assets to a loved one, right? There is that mechanism and mechanism there. I love that. You know, one thing I often say is decentralization is a bit of a double-edged sword, right? You know, it's like there's no uh, there's no customer support hotline for the Ethereum <laughs> blockchain. Um, but that, th there you go. <laughs> On the topic of digital identity, you made headlines in, in you know, the past month or in recent weeks after you, I remember you, you, you had tweeted that you wouldn't sell your CryptoPunk, um, your, your main CryptoPunk, um, for even a billion dollars. And then I think Poap uh, called your bluff by uh, making an offer on that punk for, I believe it was nearly $10 million. Yeah. And, uh, and you still said no. And, uh, there, it caused a lot of, uh, you know, conversation in, in the, in the space. Some people thought you were crazy for turning it down. <laughs> Other people really understood it. Um, I'd love to hear just in your words, you know, T take us through the, the that experience and, and your thought process there. Yeah, so you know, I think I so uh, I was on a conversation uh, or I was on Twitter. I tweeted something like, you know, what happens if all 10k owners of a 10k project never sell, right? And then someone was, uh, there was a tweet, a reply that said, you know, everyone has a price, right? Someone's going to sell, right? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to sell my punk, right? And he's like, yeah, if someone offered you a billion dollars, of course you would, right? I'm like, no, I'm not going to sell, right? It's just, it's, it's my punk. It's my identity, right? I associate it with it, right? So anyways, uh, next morning, 
I'm, you know, I'm interviewing somebody for, you know, for a job in Manifold. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I get all these messages. So my, my, my DMs are blowing up. My messages are blowing up. And everyone's like, go, Richard, go check Twitter. Go check Twitter. Go check Twitter, right? And I have no idea. I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to do this interview right here. So I go off the side, open this thing, right? And I'm like looking at Twitter, right? And there's like everyone's messaging me. And they're showing the, the CryptoPunk bot offer, right? And I was looking at it. I'm like, hey, that, that punk looks really familiar. I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, is this my punk? I'm like, yeah, this is my punk, right? Then I looked at the offer. I'm like, 2,500 ETH. I'm like, my first my first reaction was like, like why? Right? But I was also in an interview at the time, right? So I'm like, I'm trying to not be distracted, right? Because it's like, you know. Meanwhile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, so, you know, I'm like talking to the guy. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I just can't like deal with that right now. Like, <laughs> well, I'd be like, I got to go. Bro. I got, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So anyways, I finished my interview, right? And I go back and I look at this thing. I'm like, okay, there's a 2,500 ETH on my punk, right? And then I'm like, who, who offered this, right? So I go actually look at it. I'm like my first, my first reaction was like, no, this can't be real, right? And I go look, and it's like, oh, Poap, right? And I'm like, I, and I know who Poap is, right? And I didn't know like who's behind this thing. Right? I thought it was like a marketing stunt originally, mm-hmm. right? And so then I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I know it's real, right? Because it's you know an offer on the Larva Lab site, which means that you know it's act, the money is actually custodied on the Larva Labs contract, and you know, and I could just accept it, and it would just transfer over to my account, right? And so I really just sat there and thought, thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, like, I was just trying to understand what was going on, right? Because there's a lot of stuff going on, right? And so I messaged my co-founders. And I'm like, hey, I got this thing, right? And they're like, is that real? And like, you know, everyone's reaction is like, is that this real, right? And I don't know. I went to the messages and so on. And I started looking at, I'm like, yeah, it was real. Like, I got a message. I got a DM from Poap. And it was like, let's change, his, let's make history today, right? And... From there, I just started reading all the comments, right? And it's kind of interesting because, like, you know, a lot of people were like, "Richard, accept, Richard, accept," right? But then a lot of people were like, "Oh no, Richard's not going to sell. Like, you know, he's not going to sell." Diamond hands, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so actually, my very first reaction, right, was like, "No." Like my my default was, like, "No, I can't sell." Right. It's actually funny. I I, I posted my my tweet. You know, I I put a draft in my tweet. And let's like you know screenshot it and send it to a bunch of people, and they're like, "Yeah, that's like the right move," right? But then, uh, but. I actually just like sat down and actually thought, you know, what does this actually mean, right? Because you know, it, it was a, a large offer, right? And you know, and that to me that takes you know consideration and deserves respect, right? So I sat down and I thought, you know, what does it mean to actually sell it, and what does it mean to you know accept it, right? And where I came up to, where I came out to was that, you know, I was trying. I so in my head, I was actually trying to convince myself of why I should accept. It wasn't like why I should reject. It was like, you know, my default was to reject. And I was going through the scenarios like, you know, what cases was, would this make, would this be good to accept, right? And, you know, I thought about, well, you know, it's a lot of money, right? But, you know, it's also this brand and identity that I've been building over time, right? I associate very deeply with my punk, right? And, you know, on top of that too, um, you know, I think of it as, you know, my personal integrity too, right? The day before I said, you know, I'm not going to sell, right? And that, you know, when I say something, you know, it means a lot to me that, Everyone was like, no, we're not, you know, I think a lot of people were like, no, no one's going to worry about that. It's just it's a big amount of money. It's going to be like, good for the space. It's going to make the punks go through the roof, right? But then I thought about it too. I was like, well, would I be happy if I, did, if I accepted it? And, you know, the answer was like, no, I wouldn't be happy, right? I would have been kind of sad, you know, because one, I didn't have my punk anymore, right? You know, I, the only reason why I got the offer was because I said I wasn't going to sell. And so, you know, I just sat, I thought about it for a few minutes and I was like, no, you know, the right answer for me was not to sell. 
you know, when I think about the space in general, right, I have like very deep conviction in punks and NFTs, you know, with all the stuff we're doing in Manifold. And I think that that value is going to be, you know, come back tenfold, you know, in the future, right? And so like, you know, for right now, I just don't want to be distracted about, you know, the money part of things. I want to just focus on like building, right? Building myself, building my brand. And so, yeah, and then I, you know, I tweeted, yeah, Diamond Hands. You know, I want to see what Diamond Hands looks like. On whole internet look crazy. <laughs> this is what Diamond Hands yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, after that, yeah, it was just like, you know, just I didn't think about it after that because, you know, that was the right decision, right? I still have no regrets about it. That was it. Um, you know, I think the funny part was more about the, the reactions afterwards, right? Because, you know, within, you know, my circle of, you know, NFT Twitter, everyone's like, yeah, you know, everyone's like celebrating. But as soon as it got more mainstream, everyone's like, like, what an idiot. This is like, <laughs> right? what an idiot. This is money laundering. Yeah. Like this, this guy just fumbled the ball, right? Yeah. Right. But the thing is like all those people, there's still have any context of, you know, like who I am, what I'm building, you know, all those sort of things, right? You know, I think that, I think one of the biggest things is that people thought it was like a, a fake offer, right? But, you know, it wasn't a fake offer. I like, you know, I had, I've had one conversation in the email exchange with uh, Patricio, who's the, who is the uh, founder of Pop, right? But nothing to ever do about like, you know, like, hey, I want to buy your punk or that. He's trying to give me an introduction to uh, another investor, right? So it's actually interesting because I actually had lunch with Patricio yesterday, right? And so we started talking about it, right? And, you know, I asked him, like, you know, like, like why, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I asked him if he had a punk. He's like, no, I don't have a punk, right? Uh, you know, but he said that, you know, whenever, he, like, the, part of the reason why was that he, if he wants something, he wanted to have a really good story behind it. Right, because obviously he could he could have bought any other punk out there. It was like three D glasses punks, right? But he's like, to me, he he wanted the punk, right? It was just strictly he just wanted the punk, mm -hmm. which is like really interesting, right? And you know, he wanted the story of you know, I I got Richard to, you know, sell me his punk, right? You know, even though he didn't, he said he went, right? Mm -hmm. And so that that's what he was going for. He was going for like the story behind the punk, right? Because he wants meaning behind you know, behind the things that he he collects. That's interesting. It's like part of the provenance. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So yes, yes, he did offer me a lot of money, but you know, if he if I did sell, it would have that that punk itself would have had you know a certain history. Yeah, and it, ma it makes sense to me too because you know you're in we're in a business where your credibility uh, is king, and and, and to you it, having just put your credit, you know, your as you said, you they called your bluff immediately. Yeah, your credibility was on the line. I understand why you know in a in a business like that like this, you know. Some some things can't be bought. I guess as we come to to close, I'm just curious, man. I mean, obviously, you're really kind of laying a lot of the pipes and infrastructure to help drive the space forward overall. I mean, what kind of excites you most about the future of the space and how it can impact creators, collectors, just general market in general? Yeah, I know. I think we're still really, really early for like NFTs itself, right? So, you know, if you think about the kind of NFTs that are right now, it's mainly, it's mainly just like art and collectibles, right? I think that... You know, we've found these kind of like really interesting communities and like use cases for NFTs, but we've just kind of barely scratched the surface, right? You could think of like any sort of ownership can be attached to NFT, you know, can be turned to an NFT, can be tokenized and turned to an NFT for itself, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, and if you think about it, like there's only, I want to say like 500,000 to a million people who are actually like messing around with NFTs right now, right? And, you know, in the future, I think NFTs will be the backbone of our digital economy, right? You know, just like, you know, you got gaming, you got movies, you have like, you know, just like anything that is digital or needs representation can be turned into NFT, right? It's kind of like right now, you know, secretly behind the scenes, a lot of these financial institutions are using crypto 
to like, you know, move money back and forth, right? And we, like, we don't even know that's happening, right, behind the scenes, right? But, you know, crypto has become this big infrastructural piece for a lot of like financial institutions to, you know, run, run their businesses, right? And I think the same thing is going to happen with NFTs is that, you know, NFTs will kind of be secretly behind the scenes for a lot of things going forward, right? And especially when you have to, especially when you can like think about how communities get involved with it too, right? Because it's such a, you know, such a close-knit community between like creators and participants, right? Uh, I think that once everyone gets on NFTs, it's going to be a wild ride, right? It's to me, it's like, it, it's like being back in the early days of the internet, right? You know, I, I've been through, you know, I, I, I'm too, too old for the first like web boom, right? But I was there for the mobile boom and like the, the first crypto boom, right? And it feels just like that same, same amount of energy is in the space right now, right? And we all know how, you know, the web two era and the mobile and the crypto space, you know, turned out 10 years later, right? So I think we're just like, you know, we're just at the very cusp right now of, you know, realizing what's possible. It's fun, fun time. Very fun time. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for all the work you're doing, how you're giving back and contributing and empowering the community at large. And uh, really grateful to have you on today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Richard. Great to have you. Man, well, that was a fun conversation. He's really, really uh, doing a fantastic job at, at laying a lot of the infrastructure for this community and for this industry to push the space forward. What stood out to you, Matt? I loved hearing his thought process behind uh, Manifold Creator and also the royalty registry, which I think is a huge development, uh, you know, in terms of empowering artists and ensuring that those on-chain royalties uh, are able to be respected cross-platform. Loved also hearing his rationale about the crypto punk, you know, some things are not for sale. That's right. That's right. Um, well, Richard, really enjoyed having him on. Appreciate you all for always supporting. If you haven't already, definitely be sure to check out our newsletter. Every single week, we're distilling the market down to actionable insights. Um, so you can really tap in, unleash the power of NFTs. Uh, just sign up for that at nftnow.com. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much.